fire, you know I will be smoking. This is my podcast, EFPL, EFPL. If I was a fire, you know I would be smoking. This is my podcast, EFPL, all right. Uh, good evening. It is now uh, Monday at 7 o'clock p.m. I uh, just want to welcome you back. Uh, this is Andre uh, Anderson. I am both the founder, host of BSTL. Um, I hope you enjoyed our first um, podcast. Uh, uh, it was real fun doing it. And here we are at it again. We're going to be putting this up every single uh, Monday at 7 o'clock p.m. unless there are some interruptions. Uh, this evening, uh, I brought on a guest uh, who is a spitfire. Uh, she loves leadership, all things uh, Michelle Coke Martindale. Uh, say hi to the listeners, please. Go ahead, Michelle. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be here. Hi, Pastor Anderson. Thank you for inviting me on to the second episode. I'm excited to be here. So let's jump right into this. Um, offline, before we uh, started today, we were just talking about where do we start, right? And I have some ideas on where do we start. You know, we're, we're looking at the concept now, right? We've got these four C's that BSTL uh, embraces as the way forward, and we're trying to uh, deal with how do we build something, right? And of course, the question that you posed uh, right before we came online was when you are about to create some type of strategic change or some change management or making adjustments to uh, whatever the organization may be, where do we start? Now, do you want to go ahead and tell everybody what your thoughts are? Or do you want me to kick this off for you? Uh, I'm going to let you kick it off and then I'll kind of jump and chime in afterwards. All right, cool. So here we go. Um, in my opinion, I do believe that one of the first steps uh, that you have to take when you are creating the change that you hope is going to have the deepest impact, it's got to start with a conversation. Now, one of the things that we don't normally have uh, as leaders, uh, whether or not it's in the private sector, the public sector, or even in the in in a church setting, you don't always have a manual. You don't always have a book. Uh, you may have some uh, board notes. You may have some information. You may ha even have a friend uh, that is in there that's going to tell you some of what's been happening. But the reality is you don't necessarily know what you're walking into when you walk into that space. So one of the things I've often said is before you even begin to talk about any change whatsoever, you need to start off by just having a conversation. Uh, and really, you don't know who's in the room. So really, what you're trying to do is put everybody in the fishbowl and you just want to hear them talk. You introduce yourself and you just want to have a conversation so that you'll be able to hear what it is that they have to say. Now, the reason why you're doing this and it's it's not that you're trying to manipulate anybody, but you want to see whether or not the views of those that are speaking represent what they say or who they say that their organization is. I hope I've been true to what we were talking about before. What do you think, Michelle? Yeah, um, I, I kind of hear what you're saying. So, you know, the discussion today is about change management and how does that start? And yes, I do agree with the fact that, you know, you've got to come in. Um, you know, when people think about 
our strategic planners coming in, they're apprehensive. They think that they've come in to just upset everything, turn over the table and make things the way that they want it to be. So yes, it is important for that strategic planner to be silent and pretty much walk around on all multi-levels of that business or organization and see what the issues or concerns are that need to be addressed. Yeah, and and maybe the only part that I might disagree with you on is the silence part, right? I think that the strategic planner needs to be able to come in and ask the questions that will ultimately get to the answers that are required so that they can understand what they're dealing with and what they're working with. Now, of course, um, I know that for most people, they'll say, but why don't you just get straight into your missioning, your visioning, your core values, your objectives, and set some timelines and get things done? Well, let me just tell you this. In all my years of leading, uh, both in business and uh, as a pastor, if you do that, you are going to be falling on your sword way too early in the game. Uh, you know, the reality is, is that even though you may be having a conversation in the room, not everybody that is in the room is going to speak up. So you have to have multiple platforms where you are having the conversation to ensure that you're getting the broadest um, level of contribution from various stakeholders in the organization so that you don't make the assumption that because uh, three or four voices have spoken loudly in the room that they speak on behalf of everyone else. Well, so we were also talking about the culture of what a room looks like. Yeah. And and maybe perhaps this is what I was alluding to before. So sometimes, um, you know, in a culture, you have voices that are silent. Yeah. Um, and not in a negative way. It's just that, you know, when, when we're thinking about making a movement and we've decided that this is the way that we're going to go, there's always going to be someone who's quiet or silent, silenced after that. So... Here you come now with a strategic planner who's now going to ask somebody who hasn't had a voice for a while to now speak. And so, yes, I think it's important that, you know, you, you present a room where that person would now feel comfortable or that group to be able to speak. And, and the other layer to this, too, if I may say this, is that it all depends on what the makeup of the room looks like also. Right. So, for sure. example, there are some cultures that will never because it's rude. They will never speak up in the room. They'll speak up one on one. You can go to their homes and speak to them there. You can pick up the phone and call them. But not everyone is going to speak up that way. And of course, in some boardrooms or leadership spaces, uh, depending on what the age gap looks like, right? So, for example, you know, in the church, uh, I've seen it before where you may have a mother and child, a father and son, uh, both in the room at the same time. Well, if the father speaks up in the room and says, this is what I feel, that child, even though they may be grown, they're not necessarily going to speak against their parent because, again, that may dishonor them publicly. And it will also mm-hmm. shed light on the fact that maybe we don't all agree on what is being said in that space. So the the, the public space... Um, Sometimes that allows you to see who some of the big voices are. And, and let me just say this as well. Sometimes the big voices are right and sometimes the big voices are wrong. 
But I think primarily what you're also saying is when someone comes in, you have to ensure that you let everyone know that their voice matters and everyone has value. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes in, in a company, we, we, there's tiers, there's different levels of management, there's different levels of employees. And, and so because of that, we don't all feel that we have that exact same voice or value. So um, you're right. I, I believe that when a strategic planner comes in, all cards are on the table. It's open wide. It's an open book for everyone to be able to have that opportunity to have and share their voice. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the same sort of thing as voting for liberals or PC or NDP. You have a voice. And if you don't utilize it, then you lose it. And, and one of the things... Um as to why or one of the reasons as to why you want to start having the conversation early in the game is you want people to believe on the front end that you are impartial and it's not that you're being Mm -hmm. manipulative right but the longer you are in a space you may be inclined to you know a certain personality type Um, maybe that guy reminds you of somebody or that woman reminds you of somebody or maybe they have a voice that reminds you of something so the longer you are in that space is the more or less objective you may become as you become more empathetic and maybe more sympathetic to some of the the dissenting voices right so you know even Mm -hmm. even in my experience i want to get the hard conversations out of the way early right and i know that there's a relational piece to it but to some degree Mm -hmm. i want people to be able to understand um what it is that i'm trying to do based on what they say they would like to do now this is also you know kind of sort of interesting because sometimes what people say that they want that may actually destroy the organization you know like (laughs) in the church setting Um, one of the things that I've discovered is that even though the church is supposed to be a place uh, that reaches out to community, a lot of the things that churches often do have nothing to do with community and everything to do with the church proper itself. So now when I'm in, 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 yeah, yeah, preferences and sometimes principle, right? So they they may be doing Mm -hmm. things in principle that are really, really good and really, really important to those that belong to the church. It may create a blind side so that now the culture is now moving towards a more insulated ministry um, versus doing the things that will now create a broad door, a barnyard door, if I may say so, where the community says, okay, even though that building um, has some people who look a little bit strange, we may or may not know them, they want us to be a part of that. So as a strategic planner, and I'm just talking about church just for a quick moment, you want to make mm-hmm. sure that whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening, you're also listening out for whether or not the way that the culture functions, is it ready to meet the needs of others? And if it's not, then what would you do? Well, I think that this is still part of phase one, right? So phase one is I need to hear what it is that you've been doing. I want to hear how it is that you think about ministry or how you think about your organization. Because remember, sometimes um, employees, uh, members of the church, they have in their mind what is the best thing. You know, this is what we should be doing. 
But when you look at it and you evaluate it, that thing is only going to kill that organization if they continue in that direction um, over the next three to five years. You know, of course, I, I, I think about this pandemic, right? And during this pandemic, a lot of uh, churches, whether um, Sabbath keepers or otherwise, you know, they didn't have a social media presence. They didn't have any Instagram. They had no Facebook. Uh, they didn't have any YouTube. Right. And they were very comfortable. Right. But the moment we now switch gears into this pandemic where being in the pew and being in the building and all of this up in personal and up close ministry, it couldn't happen because this this virus was killing people left, right and center. Some people were like, well, let's just wait it out. Well, how can you wait out church? How can you wait out uh, being in the building? How can you wait out ministry? No, ministry is still happening, you know, uh, during the pandemic, I did a lot of funerals and have done a lot of funerals, most in my entire ministry. But here's what I discovered. Even some of these funeral homes that are more traditional in terms of how they do things, I saw after a while they were beginning to stream on their iPads. Now, they may not have had the best technology, but they had some technology because here's the thing. When somebody passes away, they still want to feel like they're in the building. So for those that would have said, well, we're not offering any type of media presence or uh, using that type of technology, they may have lost literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars during this pandemic, because if I can't get my aunt or my cousin or my nephew to fly in from the UK or from the Caribbean or from Europe or from Africa, then here's what happens. I'll just take my business to another place um, especially if they've got the iPad up, which allows them to bring this information to spaces where people cannot come and be a part of. Right. So basically what you're saying is that part of making um, a change and being able to adapt to change and having no control over the stimulus that's around us, yeah. um, we have to be able to move together. So again, that comes with meetings, that comes with discussions, that comes with making sure that every level, every tier in that building, in that corporation, understands how we're going to move. Yes, absolutely. And I think that on the front end, you have to have a lot of meetings with a lot of different individuals about a lot absolutely. of different angles to ensure that you don't start making a hole in the place that is going to have the least amount of impact. You know, one of the things we often talk about is low hanging fruit. And the reality mm -hmm. is you want to make sure that some of the initial adjustments that you are making, they can be seen by those that are making the observation of the change that you're doing if your change doesn't show up until two or three years after you've been doing the evaluation you may lose a lot of people because they don't trust that you're going to be able to implement at a rate where they can see the change over a shorter period of time and so this is why strategic planners and those that are responsible for missioning and visioning they have two things that are happening simultaneously they've got some short-term goals and they have some long-term goals that are happening simultaneously because you want to develop the trust you want people to see that you are being fair and and here's what i've discovered when you make changes 
and you do it in a transparent kind of way out in the open where people can see what it is that you're doing or not doing, even if they mm-hmm. don't agree with what it is that you've done, they will agree with the fact that you're trying to do something that is going to be to the benefit of the overall organization. And maybe to the point, um, it's this, that this is why you want to make sure that you're not only making the change for those that have the big wallets, nor are you making the change for those who have no wallets at all. You're making the change that's best for the organization. Yeah. How do you hold people accountable then? Because if the conversation is just going to be, um, how do we start? Yeah. How are we going to hold people accountable for wherever and whatever position they're in right now? Well, here's what I'll say. And I know that we're not going to be able to resolve all of this in this one mm-hmm. conversation. The reality is I cannot begin to hold people accountable until I have a document that we all agree we are going to be working with. But I don't want to create the document first. I want to have the conversation because you can have as many plans. You can have nice charts. You can have great graphics, etc. But at the end of the day, if people do not understand and are not clear on what it is that you're doing based on what they have shared with you, they may sabotage assuming that they're protecting the organization because they're not clear on where they are and or where they need to head towards. So here's the thing, Michelle, I want to say this because we're just going to wrap this portion of our conversation down um, because I do want to have um, some recap here because I want to give some takeaways before we end our podcast today. I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I think that we may have to have a part two to this conversation. Look, the time went so quickly, but I want to say thank you so much. And of course, thank you for having me. And of course, for those of you that are listening, uh, you can find us on rss.com. Just type in BSTL. We're on Spotify. And for those of of you that are really, really resourceful, um, you will be able to find us on some of the other platforms. And here's the other thing. Last, um, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. If you've got some ideas, some questions, things that you'd like us to to deal with, uh, because remember, this is building something that lasts. And on this platform, we're talking about leadership, mentorship, and relationships. We're going to come to that at some point. So have a wonderful day. And again, thank you so much for joining us. This is Andre Anderson, your host and founder of BSTL. All right, everybody, this is the recap. We just want to give you a few takeaways from the conversation that we've had today. Number one, assess where you are going by starting off with the questions. Really good questions will help. Number two, have the conversation with everyone in the room at the same time. Number three, provide multiple safe platforms for further conversation for those who may not want to speak up in the room.
Number four, as a strategic planner, you must remain impartial. Uh, That is such an invaluable uh, ingredient for you to have. Number five, your role is to assess whether or not both sides inside and outside of the organization are functioning well based on the needs of those that you're working with, as well as the product that you hope to provide. Number six, come to a short-term and long-term agreement terms so that you can ensure that you know what you're working towards. So when things get rough, you will still remain focused. Number seven, as a strategic planner, you must be transparent in your objectives to gain the trust of everyone for the greater good of your organization. Again, I'm Andre Anderson, both host and founder of BSTL. See you next time.